I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. The Whistling in the Dark podcast by Patrick Bradley. I'm pro-organization, but uh, anti-government. The difference between simple human organization and government is the use of aggressive violence. It comes across to me like, you know, pro wrestling, some fake two-sided battle, you know, between people that behind scenes are friends. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on Shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again. Hello and welcome back. It is Wednesday, February 6th, 2019, and this is episode 28 of the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Bradley, and I'm recording this down in Atlanta, Georgia. If you want to find me online, you can follow me on Twitter, Patrick J. Bradley. And you, I am currently have my Twitter account private, so you have to like request it. Um, but that's because I'm kind of uh, looking around at jobs and stuff, and I don't want them finding my crazy, you know, libertarian stuff. And you can follow the podcast page on Facebook. It's just Whistling in the Dark, so you just search for it. And I am. Uh, there's also a Whistling in the Dark account on Gab uh, that the uh, sort of alternate growing social network that is uh, not censoring based upon just like political speech. So, yeah, so that's a roundup. That's how you can get at me. Um, so I don't recall. Uh, it's been it's I think it's been more than a week now since my last uh, episode and I've actually been so I think the last one I was sort of struggling or basically like just the first few in 2019 I've been struggling a bit um, with just the motivation in you know finding content and just being kind of wired in but this last week or so uh, there's been so many things and and it's not you know it's it's not necessarily the big uh, stories that have been on. You know, I know that like last night was the State of the Union. I did not watch it. I didn't see any replay. I didn't read any article, nothing. I don't know anything about it. I did. Uh, I think I saw Dave Smith post that uh, Trump was not sounding like a good Nazi. So I think he was trying to be nice or something, but whatever. Oh, and the uh, some Democrat women in Congress wore white. So, you know, it's a big deal. Um, so anyway, but I think there's tons of like things that I saw. I guess some of these things were big. Um, so some of them are just different articles I saw. And, and to me, it's, I, I think like different things jump out to me and they just seem like they're so crazy. Uh, you know, the first article, and this is, now going back, um, this is probably two weeks ago. This article was written, um, but there is a Bloomberg article. This essentially blaming 
Uh, here, I'll see if I can get the... It's none of these. Um, let me pull up the actual article to get the title here. Um, I keep closing. Oh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> the title is Bloomberg, Bloomberg article. The title is the uh, Pentagon fears confirmed. Climate change leads to more wars and refugees. So... <laughs> obviously that's you know it's just fucking insane right uh completely outrageous so this article is essentially going and attempting to blame the basically the entire shit show of the middle east on climate change so you know that's that's what you know has been driving everything not you know never mind that like you know the what's been going on dates back to i don't know like at least world war ii you know and for that and i mean cer certainly like the founding of this you know israel back in the middle east is a big part of this um you know the united states and and uh i mean i've been kind of wanting to do an episode at some point and part part of part of it is just to like you know give me kind of motivation to like really go and you know read through as much of this history as i can but you know the history of the united states i mean i generally go back to like i think it's the 50s when um you know the u.s assassinated their president like a democratically elected president in iran um you know so that's 60 you know years ago um and i mean it's just it's so dumb like it's not climate change i mean it's just it's completely wrong and anyway so that was like an example and maybe i'll go read a little bit of that then i also actually this is also bloomberg it's kind of funny um they i saw this video called inside china's high-tech dystopia and they posted this on the it premiered on the 24th um so it you know it's kind of an interesting um take this guy goes into um the city of shenzhen shenzhen in china where there's like a bunch of these factories that produce you know cell phones and you know cheap electronics and stuff and um yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting, um, but they keep talking about this like dystopia, which basically boils down to the fact that like the government there spies on you, and but like my issue with it is that they don't they just sort of mention the government and that that it's like spying on you, and um, but the the blame is on the technology. They blame technology is what's making this worse like it's as if life is worse in china now than it was you know like 30 years ago right like get the fuck out of here man i mean it's so fucking ridiculously wrong but this is bloomberg right i mean 
again, you know, the, the spirit of this podcast is a lot about trying to think like, what does this look like to the average person? You know, I mean, Bloomberg is now like some sort of like upper echelon, um, you know, media group, right? I mean, they're they generally are reporting on finance stuff and, you know, the economy and, you know, they're very intelligent. You know what I mean? Like you throw a Bloomberg article in front of, you know, your average person. I mean, they basically defenseless so they're just gonna believe it they're just gonna be like oh wow yeah it's technology you know it's it's really leading to to these this terrible life you know and um but you know what what is like dave smith always talk about in um i think tom woods you know talks about this a lot uh the fact that like a billion you know people have been like lifted out of of uh poverty you know, in the last, like, I don't know how long, 20 years or something in that part of the world. Uh, and, you know, and it's like a lot about the, you know, the the communist regime liberalizing, liberalizing in the sense of like classical liberal, like, you know, not, I don't mean they're becoming more socialist. Um, and and then also like technology, right? I mean, it's just their economy is growing and they're taking advantage of um you know the united states kind of adding regulations i mean what's that's basically what's happening is like china has become their needle has moved more towards free market and our needle has moved more towards like a planned economy and regulated and everything uh, and so, yeah, like they've grown wealthier in, you know, they have a larger share of the world's wealth than they used to. And and the whole world is a ton wealthier as well, you know, over this time. So to, so it's like an accelerating thing, like not, you know, not only is the like sort of percentage of the world's GDP or whatever larger now in China than it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, just so in a relative sense, they're out, you know, they have become more productive compared to us over that time. Um, and I'm not saying like an absolute sense. I mean, I'm sure, I, you know, I don't even know the numbers, but I would assume the US GDP is still the largest. I'm just saying that there was a time, let's say that we were like 75% of the whole entire world's GDP. And now we're like 50% or whatever, it just made up numbers. But I know that it's gone down. But we have a smaller slice of the pie. Now it's a much bigger pie. And that's great, you know, I'm not saying that we, you know, the, the only way like that's good for us is if we maintain this like, you know, dominance that we're always, you know, the the lion share of the entire world's economy. Um, so, you know, we may be on average, you know, wealthier, um, but, you know, you, you can't you can't argue that like Asia has, you know, opened up in relative terms certainly still more communist than the united states but they are less communist than they used to be and you know the u.s is more uh u.s has more regulation than we used to and so you know it's just harder there's just like more chains on our economy and it's harder to produce than it used to be um, now, obviously, technology makes things easier. So there's, you know, there's more than one variable. Like, like at, overall, I'm sure it's easier to produce 
in the United States now than it was 25 years ago because there's so much technology. But all I'm what and I I feel like if I was talking to a person directly, I may be able to get the the visual cues that they get what I'm saying. So I'm probably beating this dead this horse like super dead. Um but what I'm saying is that yes, like technology has allowed it, uh, your average person to be more productive in the United States, but the the onerous regulations are also greater. So that that has you know decreased the the effectiveness of the technology compared to like. 25 years ago like if the regulations were the same there wasn't a bunch of new crap that has invariably come in then we would be even more productive but you know we've chipped away at that we've added a bunch you know i'm sure there's tens and thousands of more pages of regulation now than there were 25 years ago you know so anyway uh i want i wanted to talk a bit about that um and i i really don't know how I'm going to like get through all this or touch on this. I'm not sure. I mean, it, the problem is, is like, I think this is a, everything I have here is more than enough, uh, for more the two episodes at least. But the thing is, is this stuff's just gonna, you know, there's going to be more stuff. So I don't really know how to, to, to decide to like what to do and what not to do or how deep I can go into this. But, um, I'm right now just giving the overview, but you know how I get on these tangents. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was the um, the attack on that guy um, from Empire, the actor Jussie Smollett. Um, he was attacked in Chicago. And uh, it's really hard to uh, find a. I had a better, like a more recent link for this. Um, it looks like he you know, maybe he was attacked on on the 29th of January, and um, so I wanted to talk about that because this came right after the Covington that you know so last uh my last episode I talked a lot about the Covington uh those kids and how that I mean it was they they literally like took reality and just reported the opposite of it um and uh and everybody believed it and then you know later I mean, when the reality was, it's like a bunch of high school kids got like threatened and harassed, you know, by adults. And that's what actually happened. But what probably, you know, your average Joe believes is that these uh, high school kids were like harassing American Indians, um, like an old, old American Indian dude and ganging up on them. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's literally like the opposite of what actually happened. And then pretty, uh, pretty soon after that, like days or whatever, after all that stuff kind of cleared out, you get, uh, 
you know, this Jussie Smollett. So FBI investigates, quote unquote, premeditated hate attack on black and gay empire star Jussie Smollett, in which two MAGA supporters placed a noose around his neck and poured bleach on him in Chicago. Uh, so, you know, that's that was basically what was told immediately that and uh, and so since then, oh, supposedly he got a letter before this. I mean, it. <laughs> It's really crazy. I, I can't even uh, explain to you, like, so it's, he he received this letter, and, um, uh, the letter, it looks like, you know, it was written by a five-year-old, drawn, you know, if you, um, you know, you like, uh, I don't know, just like you have a little brother or kid or something, and they draw pictures. I mean, this is what it looks like. It literally looks like this person just got a kid to uh, to draw this. And um, the uh, and it was sent to him, just see Sweat, Empire. It's, they wrote MAGA on it. They cut out letter. <laughs> so they... They actually did write on the uh, envelope and they drew the picture with like a red magic marker. Um, and then they used cutout letters to write, you will die black fag. That's That was the message. So I guess that was like inside. Um, so they actually hand wrote some of it, but then decided to cut stuff out. Um, you know, certainly these guys can be that dumb. Anybody, you know, I, I, it's not that like a crime like this can't happen. It's just like, did this happen? Like just because it could happen doesn't mean it did. And just because this guy says it did, you know, it doesn't mean it did. And, and I actually, um, I actually listened to Peter Schiff sort of went through this, uh, and like, it's just so odd. Like it, the, <sighs> You know, he was eating, you know, I mean, he really like, um, he really, Peter Schiff really focused on just like, why was this dude walking around? Like, I mean, this was like during the fucking polar vortex, right? Or whatever that thing was called. And this guy goes out to eat at a subway. I mean, this dude's fucking rich, right? He's staying at this super nice hotel that has 24-hour room service. And he goes to eat at a subway at 2 a.m., which is like five blocks away from his hotel. And he doesn't Uber there or anything. He walks there. And while they have video surveillance, but somehow at like this one moment, um, there's like, uh, five minutes where there isn't video or something. And that is supposedly when it happened. So, oh, like, I mean, you know, so these guys were like, I mean, this is beyond, you know, if you, the story, the, the way that, you know, to me, the way this story, uh, reads is that these guys sent this ridiculous letter to him. And they were serious. And then they just were like staking out his hotel, I guess, um, for a while. And they were on top of their shit, man. You know, they saw him. They were fucking wide awake at 2 o'clock in the morning 
waiting outside of this hotel. Never, ever were they caught on camera once. I mean, these dudes are like CIA spooks, man. Like, how how are they able to pull all this off? I have no idea. Uh, but, you know, they, they never fucking wavered. You know, maybe they just got lucky. I don't know. But they happen to be awake and surveilling uh, the hotel, or I guess following him. I, I'm not sure if he left the hotel to go eat or he just, like, went to eat and then was walking back to the hotel. But between the subway, they definitely tracked him to the subway and uh, the sub subway restaurant and, you know, tracked him out of there and then followed him and then, you know, beat him up at the one spot where the cameras couldn't see for that five-minute period uh, and then bounced. So, and they... Poor, you know, one of the things they say, you know, the the articles the day it happened, you know, said they poured bleach on him and put a noose around his neck. And uh, <clears throat> if you read now, they say, well, it's an unknown liquid. So that was, you know, just made up. And they said a thin uh, rope or something. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's pretty insane. Um and like you know again man like if this if this happened to him it's fucking terrible like it's so bad it's so like gross man like i can't even imagine being you know being like he i i think he is gay i'm not sure if he plays a, i don't i think he is actually gay and plays a gay uh man on um empire but anyway I mean, just like imagining being beat up, you know, in the middle of the night, jumped, uh, and having a thing put around your neck. And they, apparently they said this is MAGA country, um, which, again, like, if, if there is, like, uh, there's few areas of the country that are less MAGA country than Chicago. Like, maybe San Francisco would be less. Um, but... I mean, I don't know. At the same time, you I think you might have a little bit more of like a libertarian component in San Francisco because of the technology stuff and there there are a, you know, I think a higher percentage of technologists that um you know are libertarian compared to um anyway, uh compared to like normal people. Um Yeah, so I don't, you know, anyway, I I just wanted to mention that like on the heels you know, for me, it's like on the heels of the Covington thing. I mean, the last like obviously these major media outlets have an agenda. I mean, they're and obviously it's a racially motivated agenda or has a racial component to it. You know, I don't know what the end game is. Like, I don't think that's necessary. I don't, you know, I don't think I need to prove that or or have this complete theory as to like where they're going i mean i have my own you know ideas i think it's all about just you know dividing the people so they fight and that you know they're focused on each other and they're generally like you know it goes back to the robber barons right who lobbied for you know the initial sort of regulations and stuff back then it was the robber barons and if you you know you want to know more about that go you know read tom woods go uh you know look into his stuff i mean he hits tom woods is a historian where he got he got his phd from harvard 
he's written lots of books and stuff, and he does lots of lectures on, you know, the history of the United States, the history of regulation. And, you know, the history is, is that these big corporations lobby and join together to enact more regulation to prevent competition from new upstarts taking, you know, their business and, you know, making things harder for them. And that's what's, you know, look at what's happening now, like this Internet regulation stuff that's been coming in. And that, that's actually something else. There's a big bill. Uh, I don't know if it's been passed or it's going to be passed in California that some, uh, you know, people are saying like this is probably going to be worse than the GDPR. You know, I mean, when is this stuff coming in? It This this, you know. There was nobody lobbying for this regulation when the internet was just like a bunch of small little companies and individual people building websites and stuff. And people were just out there doing their thing. This regulation comes when there are huge corporations that now live on the internet. And they're the ones bringing in this regulation. And it's not to fucking help the little guy. And it's not to protect your privacy. It's to make it harder to compete. It's to make it so before, if you want to start, you know, a website or something, I mean, you barely needed any money at all. You just needed to get a URL and, you know, like a, just get a server that served a website to that URL. And you could do it from your own computer in your own house if you wanted to. You just basically needed an internet connection. Very, very cheap. And, um, you know, and, and then like you know, the technology that grew and it became easier and easier. I mean, you could build, you know, really, really like very professional setups. Uh, you know, I could make just, you know, from my like laptop, just sitting there in front of the TV, you know, there's all this cloud infrastructure and, you know, it became easier and easier. And that's like, that's when you don't regulate, you know, when you don't have the regulations coming in, it becomes easier and easier and the barrier to entry is lower and lower and what that does is it allows more attempts to solve a problem and different approaches you know but now we've got to sit around like and wait for like google and apple and facebook to solve like i don't know what whatever is like you know the big issue uh, of your day like you know too much too many notifications on my phone and it's like well you know like they're not there's not room you know or email or i you know i i don't know what the hell you know what what are the big big things you know that that are uh, virtual reality right like that's a bit it's like it's it's really hard because these regulations come in a lot. It's a lot harder. I mean, it's still open, right? It's not, I still think like in general technology and web tech, like whether, you know, in a real general sense, like whether we're talking about, I mean, I could be talking about like internet of things, virtual reality, machine learning, blockchain, or just even, you know, social networking, whatever. It's still, I still think it's the best you know, it's the most open industry there is to really get involved with. Um, but again, relative to the way it was, it's not as good now. You know, um, buddy of mine started, a, did a, he, he launched a new product and he lives in Paris and he had to spend thousands of dollars to get it legally set up because of the GDPR regulations. And like, that's it. 
That's it in a nutshell. He would have spent, I don't know, a hundred bucks before, maybe, if to set up some cloud infrastructure. And you don't even, and the way like all that stuff is set up, whether it's like AWS or Heroku, you you can scale it up. You don't have to like, uh, you don't have to like invest all this money up front. You can just scale it as your traffic goes. So it's like, I mean, fuck, man, you can start for free. Like you pay, like, I don't know, I think Google Domains charged me like 10 bucks to get a URL. Heroku lets me operate for free for a little while, like as long as the traffic's low or whatever. Um, I mean, essentially like 12 bucks and a, and a computer and an internet connection. And like, I can launch a product that like is legit is that that i can like scale to to be like any size i want as as i get you know more um customers and traffic and stuff so anyway big uh you know that's a big rant uh a big tangent about just you know the the main the reason i'm saying that is just showing like that you know when to sort of remember that CNN or whatever, these media corporations are big corporations, you know? And I always, I forget, I think it's NBC. I mean, you know, NBC and GE are, you know, the same company and Boeing, I think. Uh, so, you know, how could you possibly imagine that that, that news source is going to report um, in an unbiased way about war. I mean, their like parent company, it profits, you know, largely off of war. Uh, I mean, I guess G does a lot of other stuff. I mean, Boeing makes regular planes, but they have tons of military money coming in. And like these wars are big money. So, you know, to think that they're going to be reporting like straight ahead and you know, anyway, like all, you know, all these different companies are in bed together and like what they say, um, you know, on the surface, it, you know, like back again, like, you know, it's like, what's the story everybody's told that the robber barons were like mad and then the government regulations came in and, and it really helped for everybody, you know, and it's once again, the opposite of the truth. So, you know, I don't really know what's going on with this um, Jussie Smollett. He's got a fucking insane name. I have no idea what Jussie is. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things that's like, man, like, it sounds bad, you know. And, and man, if he really experienced this, you know, my heart goes out to him. But, you know, well, we'll get, we'll get there. So, I mean, we'll see. But, I don't know, pretty crazy, right? Like, who, you know, who knows? Um... But there's a lot of other ways that that's not what happened. Um, not, you know, not and not just that he made it up, right? What he may have actually gotten beat up by dudes in uh, in ski masks. But, you know, who does that still mean? And well, we're, we're going to touch on some a little bit of history in the United States in a little while. And um, we'll see you know, maybe revisit some of these ideas or some of these topics. So I wanted to say something about vaccines. There, uh, another thing that's been happening and, and I apologize. I haven't really looked to see like, 
I don't know what people have been saying about, but I see it shared like, oh, there's cases of measles. There's three cases of measles. There's whatever, blah, 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 you know, um, that's been happening like an outbreak of measles. Couple things. One, nobody's died and from measles, but people have definitely died from vaccines this year, you know, in the last 12 months or whatever. So like, there's no doubt that the, uh, I don't think that there's been a single case of a of a human being died dying in the United States over the last 12 months because of not having a vaccination. But there's definitely been cases of human beings dying over the last 12 months because they have had vaccinations. And um, you're never going to hear that. Again, you know, I mean, just like fuck the media, right? Like, I, I obviously, I, I think if you're listening to this, you probably feel that way at this point. But, um, you know, not surprisingly, on this topic, just like pretty much everything else, they're just completely full of it. They're they're completely spinning it and changing, you know, the the whole discussion and, um, you know, with with vaccines. I mean, to me, like the the obvious thing is is that I now granted, I'm sure some people are, I, but I would say like the fringe people that are opposed to vaccinations are not imposed are not opposed to the fundamental idea uh, or, or, or science of vaccinations. Generally, they're opposed to poisons being put in vaccinations and then being forced to give those vaccinations filled with these poisonous substances to their children. That is where the problem is and um you know i've definitely talked to some people and people just like they can't even fucking handle it they can't even handle talking about it you know it's like bro man like i'm not like an anti-vaxxer i mean i don't even have kids like i don't really give a shit like i i will like definitely look a lot closer into this um you know if i have children at some point um but right now like it's is this is like not high on my list um except you know is growing i guess it's 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 growing uh, uh, as far as importance to me and it's mainly because of the like forcing of the vaccines um uh, but those are you know the big to me like the big the three big reasons that people are like anti-vaxxers is they put fucking poisons into the into the um vaccines themselves and i'm you know I, again like i'm not saying they don't have like a valid reason for it and maybe they're below the levels that are okay uh but i know like i think it's like aluminum or whatever like that is still in the flu vaccine like they removed it from a lot of stuff but it's still in the flu vaccine so you know if you're getting that you're getting vaccinated for the, getting your flu shot every year i mean you're getting this like fucking blast of like aluminum in you and and i don't know if it's a little too low to matter or if it's actually super high um but you know i don't fucking trust the government as far as i could throw the washington monument so you know i'm i'm gonna need to see proof that it's safe i'm not not I don't need to see proof that it's not safe. That's kind of my my default with the government. You know, before I'm going to really sign off it, I'm going to need to see, like, yeah, the proof that 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 these are below the levels. And, and I'm not really sure that that exists. I mean, they pulled it from like all these other vaccines. So I don't know if that was just because of pressure, you know, um, but again then why would they leave it in the flu vaccine i mean that even that like reasoning doesn't make sense um so it's poisons it is 
the number of vaccines has grown, you know, really, really high. And I don't remember what it is, but there's something like by the time a child is like two years old, it's like 60 vaccines or something. You know what? I mean, what did we have? I, I think I had measles, mumps and rubella. And I don't know. I, I don't honestly, I don't, I don't know what else, but it probably wasn't a whole lot of others. I would assume it's, you know, probably less than 10, maybe even less than five. I don't know. Uh, and then the third thing is that they're forced that like this growing, um, you know, kind of like, I, I don't know, these growing number of cases where, yeah, parents are like forced to give these vaccinations or the parents are like put in prison. You know, those are the reasons, right? Like it's that, that you're sort of forcing that, <laughs> that you're, you're filling these things with poisons. You are increasing the number of them by a huge amount, probably like an order of magnitude in the last like 10 or 20 years or something. And then you're forcing the parents to give it to them. So, you know, to me, like that's the problem. That's that's a problem with vaccines. I think that's really where most of people that are quote unquote anti-vaxxers really have the problem. I don't think it's against a fundamental like idea of like giving your body a little bit of a, you know, of a disease or something and then allowing it to learn how to fight it. I mean, I, and again, I don't know. I guess that could be wrong as well. I mean, I, you know, that's not my like area of expertise, um, but I mean, at least on the surface, it seems like a like viable, possible. Like it doesn't seem totally terrible to me. Um, now, uh, something that with vaccines, there's a lot of like you know people claim, oh well, all these diseases have been eradicated, and it's always the credit is given to vaccinations. Um, but actually, uh, the counter to that is most people say it's actually not vaccinations. It is um, just like advancements in like sterilization and cleanliness and stuff. It just, you know, uh, in in our society that is has really, you know, helped, uh, you know, has really been the reason that that these have gone away. So anyway, interesting Um you know, I want I wanted to put it out there. I would assume that of the people that listen to this podcast, there are probably some anti-vaxxers and some people that are maybe on the fence. And again, I wouldn't really call myself um, an anti-vaxxer, um, but you know, I certainly don't feel like you know really really good about it. And so I, I know I'm sort of seems like it's just like a bunch of random things. But, you know, again, you know, what always, always the media is pushing the one narrative that vaccines are good and that the anti-vaxxers are these awful, awful people that are basically killing their kids. You see it in memes all the time, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, another one. So uh, a team of. A team of former U.S. government intelligence operatives working for the United Arab Emirates hacked into the iPhones of activists, diplomats, and rival foreign leaders with the help of a sophisticated spying tool called Karma in a campaign that shows how potent cyber weapons are pro how potent cyber weapons are proliferating beyond the world's superpowers and into the hands of smaller nations. Um, really. 
uh, it's to me, it's not so much the idea of like specifically what was hacked or how it was done, you know, whatever. The key thing to me is right in the beginning, a team of former U.S. government intelligence operatives are now working for the UAE and using the, you know, whatever they learned, like the NSA to now, you know, now they're free agent contractors and now the UAE has got it. So, so technology created in the NSA is now just being, you know, sold to the UAE, just fucking totally other country. And they're using it to spy on activists and hack into their phones, you know? So, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. This is, I would say this is the one article that doesn't really like go with the theme. Um, I feel like people, <clears throat> and a little bit of the discussion I saw around it, I did see team seem to think that like, to some extent, a lot of people were missing that key point that was like, hey, like, you know, people that feel, like, oh, well, you know, the government should be allowed to do these special things. It's like, well, now it, you know, what happens when they quit their job and now they're private contractors? Like they, they don't suddenly have a mind wipe and like don't know that stuff and they can just go work. <laughs> I mean, thank God, this is going to work for all, another country <laughs> and giving them this technology. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know, uh, but it, it doesn't really fit in. My main thing was like uh, that I've been looking at. This seems to be on the surface pretty much reported as, you know, what it is. This is from uh, Reuters, actually. Um, it doesn't like my spidey senses aren't going off that there is some like deeper level or this is some twisted, you know, other, uh, uh, you know, other story that it's trying to convince people of, you know. Um, so let's see. There is, uh, no, I, yeah, I'm gonna, another one would be this, um, the Democrats in Virginia. This is actually Infowars. I should probably find a different uh, link. But the Repeal Act, introduced as HB 2491, would eliminate all existing restrictions on abortion in the state of Virginia, allowing third trimester abortions to be performed if a doctor judges the baby is a threat to the mental or physical health of the woman in a substantial and irredeemable way. So then here, so, you know, regardless, this is from InfoWars, this is actually like a transcript, uh, because the whole thing was like, you're talking to, they're actually talking about, like, post-birth abortion. I, it's fucking insane. Gilbert, so late in the third trimester, you would be able to do that. Chan, it's very unfortunate that our physician witness were not able to attend today. No, I'm talking about your bill. How late in the third trimester could a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the woman? Or physical health? Okay, I'm talking about the mental health. Through the third trimester, the third trimester goes all the way to about 40 weeks. Uh, okay, so... But to the end of the third trimester, yep, I don't think we have a limit in the bill. Where it's obvious a woman is about to give birth, that she has physical signs she's about to give birth, would be a good point at which she could still request an abortion if she was so certified. She's dilating. Mr. Chairman, I would that would be a decision 
that the doctor, the physician, and the woman would make at that point. I understand that, but I'm asking if your bill allows that. Tramp, my bill would allow that, yes. So, uh, if there is mental... It, it could affect the mental health for this baby to be born while this woman is literally on the operating table uh, or whatever, the delivery table. Uh, they could kill the baby. Um, so that's they're actually introducing that. And I have no idea if this will get passed or whatever, uh, but they are introducing it. And um, then the guy... Uh, <laughs> What's this guy's name? Government Ralph. So so then the Virginia governor, Ralph, Ralph Northam. Uh, Ralph Northam. So uh, let's see. So he is supporting this bill. And... Um, Hey, USA Today. Ralph Northern should be remembered for advocating the slaughtering of deformed babies. But he's not. He's the guy that they found a 1984 yearbook post or uh, in his medical school yearbook where there was a picture on his page of a guy in blackface and then a guy in a KKK hood. Um, so he's going to get ousted for that. Uh, and it's just sort of funny that that's what's going to get him kicked out. Not the fact that he's fucking wants partial birth abortions to be legalized when there need to be nothing else wrong except the mental health of the woman. So somehow like the final, you know, whatever hours or minutes or whatever of the actual birth will give this woman uh, mental health problems and uh, so they can just like, you know, suck the baby's brain out with a vacuum through a jam in it, you know, and a hole in its head or something. Um, you know, again, I, you know, I talked about abortion in the last, a bit in the last episode. And, you know, it, it's also not, um, it's not a, uh, you know, again, it's it's also not one of those topics that's like really high up there for me. Uh, I I think it's it's a lot murkier to deal with. Um, you know, to me, like the wars in the Middle East and the war on drugs and the monetary system are just fucking slam dunks. They affect everybody. You know, I mean, obviously, the people in the Middle East are really affected, um, but you know. It's also, like, not good for the people of the United States to be, like, funding all this murder over there. And obviously the war on drugs affects this country in a major way all across the board. And obviously particularly African Americans in the inner cities. And really just African Americans all across the, you know, throughout the country. Whether or not you, like, actually grow up in, like, a one of these kind of, like, war on drugs torn um, neighborhoods, you know, you still have to deal with, to me, what I think is like the stereotyping that comes out of this, the like the thug stereotype of African Americans. I mean, I, to me, it's like almost entirely like, you know, perpetuated by the war on drugs. And if that was gone, you know, I think that it would, 
it would it would repair their you know the image of the stereotype of African Americans would repair so quickly. They, uh, I, I mean that's my belief, but um, I really really think that that is like the biggest thing, you know. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah. So and obviously the monetary system definitely fucks everybody in this country, you know, and just particularly the the you know poor and the middle class uh only benefits like a certain uh, you know small upper echelon of the wealthy um and then you know so abortion while it, it is a big deal and those you know we were talking about the um those statistics from last uh last episode about in new york and i mean something like for every thousand babies born in the Bronx, like 700 were aborted. I mean, it's almost like you're almost getting to one to one. And, you know, just the uh, it's it, really bad. Um, you know, like whether or not you're like pro choice or, or, you know, whether or not you're pro choice. Like, I mean, I, I, I think that like that number is shocking, um, you know, and and I'm sure that it's like way, way out of whack. Uh the ratios in the african-american communities are much worse you know than white communities again it's all connect you know like i guarantee you again you know you end the war on drugs and you bitch you see that fucking number drop you know the a lot less abortions because you just it's just not it's like much of a shit show in those areas <coughs> so um anyway uh this um yeah i mean yeah so right to some extent right like abortion i don't you know i don't know man like obviously like with rape you know in a case of rape like yeah there's, there's just no way i could imagine that it's like not okay for a woman to have an abortion and if it's like life-threatening oh yeah but like the fucked up thing with this bill is it's they're not they're saying mental health like fuck that like you know what i mean like what is just saying like i'm i'm feel depressed so like i want to abort this baby even though it's i'm all fucking in the hospital and the baby's coming out but you know like yeah i'm sure that's not like the spirit of the bill for a lot of people but if it allows it it allows it and it's gotta be changed like it shouldn't allow like that's you know i I don't know where that line is exactly to me like rape and having aborting a baby that was like created through a rape is fine with me as okay I think it's good to go morally in my morals at least you know it doesn't affect me and if a baby is like crowning and being born and you want to fucking like murder it at that point like I think that's clearly murder uh and then at some point you know, it becomes gray in the middle, and I don't really know what to say about that. But to me, this is like exited the gray area, and it's really black and white that this is allowing what I would consider to be murder to happen. And it's codifying it and saying it's okay. You can kill the baby. Um, yeah, and I thought, you know, I, I want to mention this. I know it, I think a lot of people that listen to me probably do listen to Dave Smith, but I thought he had a really interesting take on abortion. Um, 
So there is something because as a libertarian, you know, I don't think that there is this clear pro-choice or pro-life stance in libertarian. I think that there's a mix. Um, and then there's probably, a lot, you know, a lot of people like me that are sort of just like, ah, I don't really know. So apparently Murray Rothbard wrote about the idea of the eviction uh, sort of explanation basically saying that well a a child is basically inside of a mother and it, she has the right to evict her, this child who's like basically a parasite or whatever and and if the child is evicted you know aborted and the fetus cannot live you know on its own then then the mother is like not on the hook for that because you know this child was basically like aggressing against their property rights like they're trying to make it um this is to me my understanding is that this is one of like the core arguments for people that are like strongly pro-choice libertarians is this eviction theory um so yeah anyway i thought dave smith did a really a really good job um the way he explained it and you know he he made a bunch of different analogies but, you know, the, like, you know, and it's not like he, uh, I thought the most interesting one was just like, if I own a hot air balloon and I take you up on that balloon and then I decide that I don't want you in this balloon anymore and I just like shove you out of it and you die, like that's murder. Like I can't just evict you from my property whenever I want just because it's my property and that's what I want to do. And, you know, there's like all this uh, responsibility, like, you know, rights and responsibilities, right? And the idea is that like, you know, I, I've talked about it with gun control, you know, that like the idea that like a, an, a total like anarcho-capitalist society doesn't have gun control to me is totally false. In fact, it may wind up being a lot more strict I, it, it could to me if you let the market regulate it because people actually want it regulated right but what we're saying as libertarians is that the market is what should actually implement the regulations not this just like mafia government and the idea to me around gun control and i to this day i haven't really heard anything that has dissuaded me from it but the idea is that like you know if i have a gun and then I hand it to a four-year-old and like the four-year-old, you know, points it at another kid and pulls the trigger and kills this other kid. Like I'm on the hook for that. I'm the one that gave the loaded gun to the four-year-old. The four-year-old's not on the hook for that. They they cannot that they, they can't be responsible for that. They don't know what a gun is. They don't know what killing is. They don't, you know, they don't know any of this. And 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 so the responsibility is on me. So to me, like that very much carries to a child like that reasoning I, is kind of inseparable from this eviction thing. It's like I am responsible for this child like I have brought it into the world. And, you know, to me, it's just like, let's say the child's born. Now, why does it change? And this is what Dave Smith really pointed out to me is like the clear uh, discontinuity or, or, or like error in in sort of Rothbard's approach approach to this um, was that he felt that like but if the child 
is does survive now all of a sudden the parents have or the mother i i think they were just imagining like a single mother scenario but whatever parents or mother they now do have the responsibility to like care for this child so why like again like it's just like completely inconsistent um it well let's say completely inconsistent it's inconsistent okay like that is the inconsistency why does this not apply to the child as a fetus like to me it's like you're not even dealing with like the problem and you're not dealing with it because it's like a nearly impossible problem i think that it it, it winds up just like you know it's just like when does life start you know if like if a christian believes that like your immortal soul enters your body you know at the moment of conception I mean, there's like, am I going to disprove that? I don't fucking know. Like, I have no idea. Does it happen three months in? Is there no soul? Like, when does a life, a life, you know? One thing I can promise you is that a life is not considered to be a life only when it can survive in, on its own. Because a one-year-old can't survive on its own. If I fucking have a one-year-old child and I just put him out back, that kid's going to die, you know, unless some other adult, like, saves him. But if I'm, like, out in the, you know, in a rural area that there's no possible way, like, my neighbors are going to come by or, you know, there's not going to be any influence. Like, it's just me and this child and I just stop feeding it after one year of its life. That's it. It's going to die very soon, you know. So, to me, like, this, like the child is as much of a parasite then as as the child was when it was inside of my body or inside of the woman's body you know like there's no i, I don't know anyway but i thought that was very interesting because apparently this eviction like theory or hypothesis or whatever however they say it is a apparently has swayed some libertarians to like really buy into this uh pro-life um or excuse me, pro pro choice side of things, and it's just kind of a to me a, an inconsistent uh, argument. Anyway, I did not want to talk a whole ton about uh, abortion. Uh, it was more than I wanted to. It was more just the kind of about you know this guy's talking about post birth, and I swear, like I I've heard I you know I didn't pull it up, or I didn't find it before I started uh, this episode, but. I swear, like, I've heard this guy talking about, like, yeah, like, even after the birth, he talks about this making the baby comfortable while the the doctor and the mother, and then they make a big deal about having two doctors, like, oh, now we'll have two doctors consult, and that'll make it okay, but, we, you know, we'll keep the child comfortable, and it's like, oh, man, that's very nice to keep it comfortable before you fucking kill it. Like, come on, man. Like, this is fucking crazy. So, um, anyway, I don't, you know, I'm not saying I'm pro-life or pro-choice, but I am against post-birth abortion. It's not, I mean, at this point, like, the child is fucking out of the mother. That's just, is murder. It's, there's no other way. Like, yes, like, there's a gray area. I do not know when life starts. I do not know if there's an immortal soul. And if there is, I have no idea when it enters this fucking body or whatever. You know, I don't know. But I can promise you that once a baby's out, it's just, that's it, man. It's like game over, man. The fucking child is existing in the world. And it has the right to fucking live, man. It owns its body, at least at that point. Even if it's not responsible enough to take care of it, like... 
it definitely owns it to the extent that it's like it can't be murdered you know it is like partial uh property rights or something um so yeah so that's that uh and then this guy they find out oh my god but he maybe was in blackface or he wore a kkk hood and now they're against it and i would say this um true to form the my democrat liberal friends are definitely not coming nearly as hard on this guy as they did with kavanaugh right um they're like you know when stuff comes out old kavanaugh stuff now i guess he was con he was accused of something worse i guess rape but and for real it's worse right like wearing blackface is not nearly as bad as raping a woman um so i'm glad they i guess at least see that but you know it's i mean the this you know i not surprising they they you know are really considering the idea of like maybe we shouldn't just you know freak out and destroy this guy's life because of something that he did 35 years ago um but it, yeah anyway well the funny the funniest thing of all and i'll try to remember to put a link is so when cnn did a video of this they fucking reported him as being republican they had the little r and that's what everybody sees like again man it's like the media like man are such fucking pieces of shit they're so fucking shitty so they report that this guy uh where the hell his name is um is a uh, is a Republican, and again, right? It's like that's the first thing that people see. They don't see another thing, and they just like in their mind, like, yeah, another fucking racist Republican. It's like, nah, man. Like this dude's a Democrat. He's a Democrat wearing fucking KKK hood in like when he was in med school. Like he's not even like a kid. Like he's in fucking med school, you know? Already graduated college now. Ah. Uh, anyway so so that's that so this all right so now we've gone through all these different um stories recently and it looks like we're about an hour into this uh odyssey and i wanted to talk about something um called operation mockingbird and if you're more into conspiracy theories you're probably already familiar with this um but uh, oh, now I'm just going off the Wikipedia. <clears throat> I'm not going to go like super into this or anything, but I uh, just wanted to put this out there. Um, just to uh, give some context. To, like, if you, you know, to me, I ain't taking any news story at face value. It's just, it's, it's lunacy. It's just fucking, it, it's just absolutely like, it's just ignorant. You know, I don't know why you would believe them, and especially when stuff like this come out. So, Operation Mockingbird it is a large-scale uh, program of the United States Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, that began in the early 1950s and attempted to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. It funded student and cultural organizations and magazines as front organizations. According to Deborah Davis, Operation Mockingbird rec uh, recruited leading American journalists into a propaganda network that oversaw the operation of front groups. CIA support of front groups was exposed after a 1967 Ramparts magazine article reported 
that the National Student Association received funding from the CIA. In the 70s, congressional investigations and report also revealed agency, agency connections with journalists and civic, civic, civic groups. None of these reports, however, mentions by name and Operation Mockingbird coordinating or supporting these activities. A Project Mockingbird is mentioned in the CIA Family Jewels report compiled in the mid-1970s. According to the declassified version of the report released in 2007, Project Mockingbird involved the wiretapping of two American journalists for several months in the early 1960s. So, that's just the you know top-level summary. But uh, so the Central Intelligence Agency had a ongoing operation to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. It funded student and cultural organizations and magazines as front organizations. So, <laughs> and they also tap wire tapped. Uh, you know, I mean, my God, we know that they, we know that. They were spying, I don't know, I guess maybe the NSA or whatever was spying on Trump and the Trump campaign. I mean, that's completely out in the open now. Um, so anyway, so there is like definitive proof. There's declassified CIA documents about the CIA manipulating the news for propaganda and funding cultural organizations, student organizations, and magazines, you know, as front for part of this. And what do they also say? Talk about uh, recruiting uh, journalists into this to oversee the operations. And this started in the 50s. This is like way, I was born in 1977. Almost 30 years before I was born, they were already doing this. And that's this one specific operate, you know, this like one specific thing. I mean, I'm who knows what they were doing before that. And uh, you know, I it's really depressing. <laughs> Cause you you know, you start like it's I can uh I mean I remember being very frustrated growing up most of my life, not really understand what was going on, but I really feel like when there was a big change when I kind of opened up to the idea that possibly the free market was actually good. And, you know, I started learning a bit more on my own about economics. And then, you know, the big, big change was uh, finding about the Austrian theory of economics. Um, and I read... Uh, Hayek's book, The Constitution of Liberty, and, you know, that, that was, you know, a, that was just an absolutely uh, life-altering book to read. I'm not sure if there's been any book I have ever read before or since that has changed the way I thought more than that, and um, I've had it reinforced, you know, a good bit since then, um, but it just seemed just like this is it man like this it's so simple and obvious and you know the the constitution of liberty i'm not i i don't think it's generally considered like one of the really great uh books from you know the austrian 
school, uh, it just happened to be the first one, you know, and nothing can ever beat the first time, right? <laughs> so, you know, I know Haig is much more known for the book Road to Serfdom. And, you know, there's other books by Mises and, um, you know, Human Action, obviously, and, and books by Rothbard <clears throat> that are, you know, considered better, I guess. Um, but, you know, the learning about the kind of inflation and, you know, what it what it does and how the, you know, misallocation of resources that happen and the way, you know, um, the way that that um, this monetary policy can call cause these booms and busts, you know, it's just something I, you know, I never heard anything about. And, um, you know, it just made perfect sense. It's so simple. And, you know, something I found out with the Austrians that I really grew to like is they tend to just start from such basic principles and then build up. And I think it's very, very hard to find a hole in it. And I, to this day, like, you know, haven't really found a hole in it, uh, too bad at least not bad enough that i felt like i needed to bail out and do follow you know something different um <clears throat> and you know that i think kind of clarified to some extent particularly in the arena of the economy you know why i had so much problem over you know so many problems over the years with like what i was hearing and and it just always just seemed just wrong or messed up, you know? Um, but, you know, I mean, like, you know, at this point, I mean, look at all the stories I like talked about. I mean, besides like maybe the U UAE hacking iPhones, um, I'm not even sure that I believe any of it as far as like, and sometimes like, I think they report facts that are kind of accurate, but they just spin it a certain way. And I mean, you know, all of it is just like wrong. It's all comes across to me as propaganda, blaming war on climate change, propaganda, blaming technology on like the dystopian situation in Shenzhen and not the Chinese government propaganda. I don't know about this attack on this uh, guy in Chicago, but certainly fits the like bill it could be propaganda and that's the problem it's like i can't tell the difference now but it certainly fits in i mean that's another thing too right like bad shit happens on both sides of the fence you know uh and they just you know if there's a hundred murders a day and one of them every day is racially motivated and one murder is reported per day and it's always only the racially motivated one it's going to have a huge effect on the country's perception if they don't understand what's happening if they don't understand that the other 99 murders that occur every day are not given the you know any time on the news so it seems like there's this outrageous problem and honestly that's probably pretty close to what's fucking happening you know what i mean like um uh, well, I don't want to go too far down this, but I was looking at um, the I was because I am uh, an ex resident of Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> Philadelphia's first homicide of 2019 was reported just 17 minutes into the new year. Anibal de, de Jesus, 36 of Kensington, was found dead from several gunshots, gunshot wounds on the 3200 block of Tamp Street, just north of Allegheny Avenue between E and F. 
Uh, so there were 351 homicides in 2018 in Philadelphia, more than any year since 2007, which ended with 391. So Philadelphia roughly averages one murder a day. Right? It's bananas. It's so bad. And nobody hears anything about it, you know? I mean, yeah, if you're, like, um, local in Philadelphia, you might hear some of this stuff. Um, but for the most part, you don't hear it, you know? And I, I remember I used to, because uh, I grew up just outside of Philly, and I used to work with a bunch of people in this city, and they always be talking about all this crazy shit that's, like, happening, like, every day. I mean, at least, like, I mean, between all, you know, everybody in the kitchen, like, somebody had seen some shit go down almost every single day like people getting shot by you know i mean the i you know i remember it was just like it was crazy to them you know that i had never seen like a homicide victim just like laying on the street before i'd never seen it i just i don't know you know i was like 15 16 years old grew up in ambler pennsylvania I don't know. I don't even know if there's a murder every year in Ambler. Probably not. They probably go multiple years without any murders at all, you know. So, like, I've never seen a dead body. Like, I've never seen somebody get shot. Uh, you know, none of that. And, I mean, that was like, wow, you know. This shit's fucking, like, they've all, you know, they were all seen that multiple times, you know. And <clears throat> to me, it's like, yep, yeah, that it's propaganda. There's a reason. There's a reason. There's an agenda. And the agenda does not include making people uh, look, try to understand and be aware of the, like, all these murders that are happening in the inner cities in the United States. The agenda is to, like, focus on racism and focus on these school shootings to try to implement gun control. I mean, that seems to me the agenda you know it's like for some you know the racism again i'm not like really sure like i don't know i guess they're like i i mean it's just more dividing it i mean i think you know it, it just keeping the people you know more divided um and uh they um it you know but whatever it is it's not focusing on what's actually happening. I mean, it's so, like, insane. Like, if I said, uh, you know, I mean, there were murders in Chicago that day. I guarantee. How many murders were there in... How many murders were there in Chicago? Chicago land. 530 murders in Chicago in 2018. So, you know, unless it was a particularly peaceful day in Chicago, there were people fucking murdered in Chicago. But all we hear is this guy got beat up and it was racist. He got beat up a little bit. Wasn't even that bad. He even said it wasn't that bad, you know. But that's... That's what we hear. You know, that's the big thing that everybody's complaining about. And, like, this idea that, like, you know, 
you're like they you know these these people like this is this it's like such a mind fuck man if you try you just like try to like track like the amount of like bullshit and confusion in all of this and like the way i mean it's it's unbelievable like i i don't know if this is done consciously but it just winds up in this just clusterfuck of confusion and inconsistency of thought so you know basically you are like like to show you know particularly if you're like a white person you know to show that you know you're not racist you need to be outraged by this but if you point out you know i mean nobody even does this like i'm not even saying like that i can't even find examples of this you know i mean this reminds me of like what dave smith would do when he was on cnn they'd be like outraged about some fucking you know uh i don't know some like transgender like bathroom issue or whatever and dave smith would be like oh yeah and there's also like fucking a million fucking children starving to death in yemen but yeah like let's you know worry about this to me it's like kind of the same thing it's like yeah man i mean i don't know like i i hope this shit's made up i i don't even know i mean i hope this guy didn't experience that and it sucked but you know some other guy in chicago experienced getting fucking murdered so like and not talking about that is just like it's insane you know like it's like they keep using the numbers like oh the murder rate in the united states is so high and then they say look at these shocking incidents you know where you know a group of people get shot you know in whether it's las vegas or you know wherever it is um and then they'll say see you know the united states is out of control it's because of the lack of gun regulations and you know this is why so like it's like it's like as if they just they know that it's like you know what fucking white people don't give a shit about poor black people so we can't really use them like we can't use the faces of them killing you know if one poor black person kills another poor black person it's just not going to move the needle even for these bleeding heart liberals because actually deep down inside they're fucking racist you know or they're just racist as anybody else right like i mean to some extent like you you got to call it something different you know there's there's like racism right there's people like putting on a fucking kkk hood and going out and lynching people and then there's people that just like tend to stick to their own or whatever which is probably like you know that's probably like the natural inclination of people um so i don't know if it's like racist it's just you know kind of like the way it is like to some extent you know um but anyway like i think that's kind of like the bleeding heart liberals are like right like at the end of the day it's just like doesn't move the needle when they see like some you know black guy in a fucking you know uh, like baggy jeans and a fucking backwards hat shot another black guy in baggy jeans and a backwards hat. They just like don't care, but they figured it out. They figured out how to hack the system, right? They can build up the statistics with those types of murders and then just wait until something that they know actually a liberal like white person will get moved by, which is when kids, white people get killed. So they'll bring that out and then they'll say and then look there's 10,000 murders 
you know, every homicides by like gun or whatever in the United States every year, this has to be stopped. And, you know, people have just like stupid fucking monkey brains and they just conflate these two things together. But there aren't 10,000 fucking people dying in school shootings every year. That's not the problem. And gun regulation isn't going to lower the number of murders in the United States in any real material way. Because they're all being done with fucking illegal guns because of the war on drugs. That's what needs to change. But the fucking propaganda and whether they're doing it through Project Mockingbird... Like, I don't even know, like, I don't know that there's this big distinction between, like, the United States intelligence community and the large fucking corporate media bodies. I don't even know if they're all distinct anymore. I have no fucking clue, like, where this is at at this point. I mean, back then, they were fucking starting, you know, groups and papers and stuff, like the CIA was. Like, I don't know, like, what ones of those, like... Like, is BuzzFeed definitely not that? Like, I don't know. I don't know at all, like, anymore. I have no idea. But, like, what I can find is and what I can, I can, like, make sense out of is when things are so obviously wrong and so obviously done to support some agenda and to propagandize people into thinking a certain way. And, you know, this is a really big one that they do it. So, yeah, I wanted to kind of put that out because I felt that this Operation Mockingbird idea or, you know, that the CIA had been undertaking for decades, um, you know, it, it fits in so well with what we've been talking about and it's it's just like a real you know an explanation that it's like maybe you know maybe we aren't insane like may, you know because part of it is just like man like how does this even happen like how how can the news get it this wrong like I, I, hey like i get like they you know okay like maybe these guys are mostly democrats but why do they buy into this like this is like a real like person just like they don't they're not really into this agenda you know what i mean like they're not for war you know and they're not they're not like for destroying fucking african-americans lives in inner cities with this war on drugs and this crazy murder rate and all this stuff you know like like it's like so to me like this explanation that it's like oh well mostly in in universities and in the media or liberal leaning people they tend to go into these things and you know like like conservative leaning people or tend to be out into the business world like starting businesses or small business you know whatever it doesn't make sense because why would it get like this like outrageously twisted you know like where they're blaming war on climate change I mean, that's, that's like unbelievable. It's like we're seeing these two like propaganda fucking wings. That's the huge like climate change propaganda monster and the huge like, you know, mega monster of the war, you know, war propaganda beast. And they've just like combined and found like 
this <laughs> fucking insane way to try to explain, you know, the existence of bad things is always back to like climate change. Um, you know, blaming like not blaming China's like awful, you know, fucking government on like the situation of like this dystopian future and completely ignoring that like across the board in China life is so much better than it was like a couple decades ago. You know, or the fucking Covington kids, you know, or the way like vaccines and the whole entire like stupid discussion is just like mangled anytime it comes up and it's always shown like the one, you know, the one way or basically not reporting on California's like internet regulations or where all these internet regulations come from or whether it's Brexit or I mean now like partial birth or post birth abortion or murder i don't know and you know like now not being able to decide they they can't even you know now they're sort of like they're shooting at their themselves because they're not really sure like how do we handle this governor because yeah he had this blackface picture but he's also like pro-abortion even though it's like actually like after the baby's born and it's just you know straight up murder <laughs> i don't know you know but like to me it's like man there's an actual, like, on the books, declassified CIA operation dating back to the 50s, which was actively, like, propagandizing the United States populace. You know, that, I don't know, seems like it, it holds some water. It holds some water there. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, maybe maybe we'll look into that more as, as time goes on. I'll see, like you know, what more things have come out, uh, re regarding this with the CIA, like, you know, what, what level of involvement, you know, what I, you know, uh, there, cause I know there's a lot and I, and I've read about it before and I've seen like interviews with people before where they, you know, claim to like this various interactions with the CIA in their kind of like news kind of preparation or feeding them stories, you know, like I said, man, I mean, I think, like, to me, like, the most effective way to propagandize is to just report in a way that gives the impression that, you know, events occur a lot more than they really do, or they occur a lot less than they really do, and in whatever way you're trying to sort of just, you know, support a certain agenda. And in this case, they want to, like, you know... Sh really 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 build up the school shooting stuff and really 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 downplay you know the inner city shooting because that's really like the thing that needs to be fixed right like you solve that problem you figure out how to like stop the uh murders that are based around drug dealing and the murder rate in the united states would probably drop by like 90 percent that day that would be you know Maybe 95%. We'd basically be like Europe. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like Ambler, where I grew up, there's never any murders. In the suburbs in the United States, there just aren't any murders, you know? Like that, it's just like it's like Europe. It's like Japan. I mean, it's just like people don't get fucking killed. Like nobody's killing each other. It's so like rare. You know, it's only in these places where there's fucking crazy drug dealing going on. You know, this black market 
And again, like, it's also like, to me, it's like, it's not even like fucking theoretical. Like we saw this in the United States during prohibition. There were so many fucking murders and so much violence around illegal like alcohol production and sales during prohibition. And it immediately stopped. When is the last time an alcohol like producing company killed somebody from uh you know another uh, another alcohol producing company that's fucking it's probably not happened it's probably literally zero <coughs> since the fucking day prohibition was stopped so anyway one other thing i wanted to talk about and we will be moving on from project mockingbird and all of these other weird fucking stories and i wanted to talk about uh, an article I saw about DoorDash and Instacart. They're stealing tips. So, um, I'm not sure where I actually had this. Um, the article itself is not, it's actually not that important that I find it, but I thought I would look it up. Here it is. Uh, delivery has always been a rough, but I did like this. This quote was pretty funny. Um, so anyway, uh, tip pop. So Instacart and DoorDash's tip policies are delivering outrage. Basically, like they, uh, I guess they both did it. Um, but Instacart like changed the way they pay their drivers, and they did something where like I'm sure it's like they said, oh, we're gonna like guarantee a minimum, and then somehow now like the tips count against that minimum, and it's basically I think just like on average. The drivers are making less and in particular it's like they're not if they they're not getting like a lot out of the tips and so you know for them it's like going the extra mile and getting these good tips um it's just not really um helping them out that much so uh and and they're making less money i mean at the end of the day like they're just making less money and so you know everybody's like pissed off about it and um you know it's it's pretty like weird it, it's like weird i mean it sounds like this change sort of happened and the delivery drivers don't really know so i felt like i had a pretty unpopular take on this um you know like at at like the surface level like sure man like if you don't like this like yeah fucking boycott instacart boycott uh doordash you know that's to me, that's like a good idea. Yeah, like do that. Like don't support. Like if you really don't like this, like don't support it. You know. Um, but then, of course, you know you have the, like, you know these dum dums that then want regulation. Oh my God, we need to regulate this. And um, you know, obviously, that's where I'm going to draw the line. You know, and and honestly, like I feel like it's like, look, man, like it again, more. You know. I love it. I love it. You don't like like the way a business operates and you don't like patronize that business. Like that's that's beautiful. That's the way that's the way it should be. So um but I honestly feel that it's like real change. It's really gotta be the delivery people that have to stop, you know, working for Instacart and DoorDash and go do something else. Uh, or at least go on strike or something. Um, and you don't need any special laws for this or whatever. You just need these people 
they need to band together and stand up or just like leave you know what i mean like and and i think like this is what you find is maybe there isn't another place for them to go that's better and that is like the reality of it right so the the beginning of this article and this is from the new york times by a person named kevin roos and this is today february 6th so delivery has always been a rough business since time immemorial couriers have braved the elements gotten by on meager wages and dealt with annoying customers growling dogs and fifth floor walk-ups all for the chance of a big tip from a happy customer so uh i just like fucking disagree with that i just think that quote is so stupid like and i have delivered a lot in my life you know i delivered for fedex and i delivered pizzas for domino's and i've done a lot of other jobs i've worked in a nursing home i've cleaned uh nursing home i cleaned the patients these old old people their bathrooms and their houses that was my first job when i was 15. um i got me five dollars an hour in like 92 or something uh so i don't know what that would be now but um yeah i i think i made 200 dollars a week back then uh, i don't know what my take home was but yeah so i cleaned toilets clean bathrooms and they were they, they were pretty disgusting i mean this was like a nursing home some uh some of the people like weren't it was like part of it was like a, a hospital and part of it was like more like regular residential um but yeah it's it was, it was pretty fucking gross and then from there I, I worked in that nursing home for a number of years like through high school and stuff I worked in the kitchen I you know I I uh was like a waiter it you know in their little dining room thing so you gotta wait the tables bust the tables set everything up you know there weren't like you know take the orders everything all that stuff and and uh and eventually I worked in the kitchen I mean in the um I worked as a dishwasher for a while and um and i i used to get high and stuff a lot back then i really liked uh i don't know um being in the dish room because it it was like didn't require a lot of like mental energy um and i could get really pretty high and still do it and uh i do after that i um yeah i worked in other restaurants you know uh, different, you know, waiting tables, bus, busting tables, whatever. Uh, and then I did some stuff like roofing. I worked for a garden stone cut. So there's like stones in your garden. It'd say like mom's garden, whatever. I worked for a company and we made them and it was like super rinky. It was one dude. And then me and a buddy of mine worked there for a while. Uh, it's like, you like sandblast these designs on, on these stones and whatever, the little landscaping. And then, uh yeah and um you know and then it, yeah at some point but yeah working at domino's delivering pizzas and then later i did i worked at fedex it wasn't like super long i think it might have been this summer after like i started uh college and and i had like a summer off and i and i delivered for fedex it was just like through a summer anyway so at no point 
was I supporting a family? And you know what? I'm still not. I'm 41 years old and I don't have any kids and I don't have a wife. So, I mean, like the idea that it's like, oh, well, you're just a kid. It's where it's like, I mean, the math's still the same, you know? Um, I'm just was working for me. Um, but, you know, so this, <clears throat> like, uh, anyway, to say, like, that's kind of the range of jobs. So I've worked all different types of jobs. I've worked, like, cleaning up shit on toilets. I've worked roofing, which is physically, like, really fucking hard. Landscaping really sucked. I didn't do it that much. Painting. I actually did painting uh, a, a nice ch a little chunk of time, like exterior house painting, painting buildings, painting inside houses, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of restaurant stuff. And, um, yeah, man, like, easily the best jobs of all that were fucking delivering. Delivering for FedEx was fucking, was uh, the best. Because I even had, like, I didn't even have to use my own car. I mean, delivering a Domino's, I feel like, ultimately kind of sucked because I had to drive my car and it was kind of shitty and I think it, like, contributed it to it dying faster. Um, but, you know, delivering for FedEx, I mean, I wasn't even using my own vehicle. And, you know, we just, um, now there, there's a difference, right? Domino's, I made tips and FedEx, I didn't. But, like, yo, I mean, Domino, like, the tip-making jobs were just better. Like, non-tip-making jobs when you're, like, totally unskilled like that. Like, when I was, like, washing dishes or, like, cleaning, um, you know, bathrooms or whatever, you know, it was, like, what definitely less money. Like, fucking getting tips, doing delivery. And, like compared to working in a kitchen just like delivering for dominoes it's just easier it's way easier than like being a waiter or whatever and anyway so the point is this stupid like i like right off the bat the beginning of this article is just dumb like as if it's this really hard thing it's like nah man being a fucking delivery driver is not a hard job like in the in the world of like unskilled labor Fucking delivery, doing deliveries is fucking cake, man. Like, I, I mean, maybe I would have, maybe I made more money, like, as a roofer, but it was, like, fucking ten times harder, you know? It's dangerous. You're up on the roof. I remember thinking about that. I was like, I slip every day, like, at least once a day. Like, one of these days, I'm fucking falling off this roof, man. I'm going to be fucked up, if not dead. Um... But yeah, so like, you know, and eventually I like, you know, went to school, started doing that, took on six figures of debt, got a PhD in physics, eventually started programming the internet, you know, whatever. And like, I mean, you know, obviously for me, like those days are probably well behind me, but I still had a big chunk of time in that, you know, uh, like I wasn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't in a wealthy family or anything, you know, it's like I, I uh, you know, I didn't have, I mean, I don't know any like particular or especially leg up. I feel like I was like pretty average, you know, and where I was coming from. And, uh, you know, I was also, I was dealing with like getting sober and stuff. I mean, I, I get sober as a, a, a young kid, but I, you know, I was doing a lot of drugs and doing a lot of drinking and, you know, um, I kind of had to, you know, I basically got sober and, and was like doing community college and still working these types of jobs. And then eventually, you know, going going away to school and that's kind of when it ended i think the last kind of quote unquote like regular job i had before i was like fully into the physics world was uh delivering for fedex and and i kind of look at that as like probably the best job i had out of all those jobs that was the top rung
you know, like delivering for FedEx looked like, man, I could do a career out of this. Um, if I wanted, you know, at that point, my perspective, now obviously that career would have been not anywhere near as lucrative as like the one that I actually went on with like programming and everything. But, you know, I don't know. I also wouldn't have all this debt to deal with. So anyway, so the, uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, like already they're starting to like boohoo, you know, all these poor, poor, you know, these, these delivery workers, there's the backbone of this company, you know, country, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's so fucking hard. And it's not, it's not, it's not that hard, man. It's not, it's not a hard job. And, um, obviously you gotta need something, right? Like these aren't even, you know, like a normal Joe Schmo, right? Fucking regular, you know, broke, kid whatever do you, you can't even do this job like you gotta own a car to do this so it's not like these are just like the poor destitute you know because those people you gotta clean shit off of fucking toilets and you gotta fucking wash dishes and get paid total minimum wage with no tips you know like if you don't have a car and you know like fedex ain't hiring just like bottom rung people even i mean i know you're not really getting tips there but um, but anyway, so I, I, so there was that aspect of it. And then another thing she says, the other quote, that, I, and this was like the other quote that I feel like really seals it up. I have gone from, this was some woman in Seattle, I'd gone from making $1,000 a week and providing for my family now to now, if I'm lucky, making $600 a week. Like, okay, yeah, like that's a big drop. And I can understand that if you were making $1,000 a week and now you're making $600 a week, like that's a, you know, that's a big drop and you're going to figure something out. I mean, if I suddenly got like a 40% pay cut, like I'm going to figure something out. Um, but like a couple things here. I mean, one is like, dude, Instant, Instacart is like, are, are they even profitable? Like, I mean, this company might not even fucking exist in a few years, you know? And it's only existed for, like, a few years. Like, it's a new company. Like, this this idea that it's, like, brand new company has come on the scene and then everybody that works for them should just have these, like, stable incomes based off of them. You know, it's like, dude, this fucking company, if they don't manage their money right, they're going to be gone. And this chick ain't going to be making $600 a week from Instacart. She's going to be making fucking $0 a week. And it's like, you know, I mean, this... <laughs> Like, this didn't exist. Like, this wasn't a possible thing to do before Instacart invented it, you know? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, there's never been a grocery delivery service, but, like, the fact that, like, I can just go out and get a job easily for Instacart, there's some fucking website I can easily apply to, like, yeah, I get a car. Yeah, I can go do it, sign up download their app and then start fucking making money right away like i don't have to go through this whole fucking interview process all this shit right you can just do it and they could go deliver for fucking uber eats they could go deliver for doordash as well i mean all these different companies exist it's not like this you know like as if this woman is somehow just like has to work for instacart and if she cannot work for instacart then she's just destitute what were you doing fucking two years ago when instacart wasn't even invented yet you know i can promise you that you were not delivering fucking groceries to people <coughs> 
you know? So it's like, I'm sorry if you have, like, no fucking plan in your life whatsoever and you just, like, lucked into this fucking thing where you can do this easy-ass job and make $1,000 a week and it gets cut because, you know what? Fucking Instacart probably can't afford to pay delivery drivers $1,000 a week for delivering groceries. It's like, if, you know, if you want a service that is, like, able to deliver groceries at a reasonable price they're not going to be able to pay everybody a thousand dollars a week that's delivering them like at some point right like they're people are pissed off that they jack up the price for the groceries right so the prices are probably higher inside the app so people are pissed off about that they're pissed off that they're not paying the drivers enough they're pissed off that there's a service fee it's like dude i mean the fucking like some way this company needs to get money like there, there isn't like a free energy fucking grocery teleporter yet you know like it costs fucking money to get these groceries to your fat ass sitting in your house and you know what i'm one of these fat asses that sits in my house a lazy ass motherfucker and i love the fact that i can open up my fucking phone and click on the shit i want and have it come to me you know and like I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it's not perfect, you know? But, like, it's, it's like, it, there's just, there's a lot going on. I mean, you honestly think that, like, the fucking people that are founded Instacart, they're making the decisions, like, they just want to fuck the drivers? No, man. Like, they want, they want everybody to be happy, right? I mean, unless they're, like, fucking psychopaths. Like, and yeah, like, they exist, and, and I'm sure they are. But, like, they, like, want to make... I mean, they want their fucking company to, like, last. Because what's worse? Like, having... uh Being able to make $600 a week delivering groceries for people or not being able to make any money at all delivering groceries for people because it doesn't exist you know like are you going to start your own like delivery grocery or grocery delivery you know what i mean like and then you're going to quickly find out that oh my god the fucking math doesn't work out like it actually doesn't work you have to figure out a way to make money on this and that's why they think they can do it like at scale they think if they can like you know I don't know, some way that they can like manage the logistics and stuff that's like, hey, okay, if I <coughs> take one order and I'm a single person, right? You call me up and you say, hey, I want, you know, 10 apples and 10 bananas and a gallon of milk and, you know, I want it delivered. And your site says, you know, you'll do it for five bucks. So go and do it. Like, it ain't going to work. You know how long it's going to take you? You're going to have to fucking go. Now you have to leave your house, you have to go to the store and find these fucking $20 of the shit. And like, you know, maybe they don't want to do it, right? Maybe they're like, oh man, it's only $20 of stuff or $10 of stuff. And I got to give them $5. So like, they're not even going to order that, you know? And so that's why they do like, they have like an Amazon Prime type sign up for, for Instacart. Because they want to get you like just paying them. They need to like, under, you know, get a steady flow of money and be able to like plan based on that. But they have an app now that helps them scale right because now they can like field this and then they can sort of target like hey like who's near here you know so now it's not your individual person 
that's like gotta like go and like get it right like it's like you need like this organization to to make this like make any sense financially and like yeah and and again i'm not like defending i don't you know i don't know the details but like if the choice is like hey you either like figure out how to cut like what you're paying these people or it's not gonna work i mean to me like that's probably the reality of it it's like you know we need to pay people less money or this is not gonna work and so they did this and it's like fucking shady or whatever but i another thing i was thinking about it and this is what i thought was like really like the unpopular well one unpopular opinion apparently is that i think fucking delivering shit for a living is like a pretty fucking easy job when you when you're looking at the the set of unskilled jobs available to like people in the united states being a delivery driver is pretty nice man it's pretty cushy so you know that way but um the other thing i think is and this ties more into like economics and you know increasing wealth and everything and automation because that was another thing oh from the shenzhen so this sort of intersects with that another thing i think i forgot to mention is they were talking about how shenzhen shenzhen the people that work in these factories making these cheap cell phones they're gonna eventually get automated out they're starting to like put robots in there and stuff and i oh my god like how awful this is right again this big again Propaganda, right? It's project mockingbirding everybody into believing that actually automation is bad for us. That we should stop. That we should go back to fucking just like making everything by hand because that will somehow make us all richer because then we'll all have jobs. Yep, you will be able to work. Like, if you wanted the amount of shit that you have in your life right now and there was no automation, I mean, obviously it would be impossible, but. Um, even if it somehow was possible, you would have to work like fucking just around the clock and never sleep. You would just constantly be like building and digging and mining and fucking, you know what I mean? But thank God that there is automation and there is innovation and technology, which allows things to be produced cheaper and cheaper. And then we have more and more stuff, you know? So what's going to happen is like these fucking ding dongs can work at Instagram or Instacart because these fucking borderline slaves in China and Shenzhen are able to make the fucking phones cheaper. And you know what? When the robots start making them, they're going to be even cheaper. They're just going to be fucking like, giving them away for free because at some point it's gonna be so cheap to make a cell phone that companies are gonna want to fucking they're gonna want you to have their phone because then they can make money off of you and they don't give a fucking shit they don't want you to pay for it you know verizon's just gonna be like sending free phones in the mail to everybody please god connect this to our service because the phones are fucking worthless it's the services that come through the phones that's all the money so who gives a fucking shit if a robot may you know what i mean like it's it and maybe it won't just be a proliferation of billions of cheap phones that they give away but like it'll they'll be able to make like they'll be able to make them more dependable like you know less defects anyway like it's we, we did a whole early episode on on automation and the idea of robots like stealing jobs and how just it's just fucking so stupid um and if it needs to be done again we can talk about it but anyway so you know but obviously right like if 
if they if we weren't being able to automate production of cell phones and make them really cheap then people wouldn't like a company like instacart wouldn't exist and yet another reason that this person would not have this job but just think about like where we're at in economy right now this person is quoted as making a thousand dollars a week and they were able to support their family and essentially all they're doing is going and picking up groceries for people uh and you know like this is where we're at in economy and this is like to me like this is the whole point is that because we are getting wealthier and wealthier there aren't less jobs they're different jobs like you this was not a legitimate job for a big sector of like the population this you know delivery job thing but now it suddenly is i mean how many people work for fucking uber uh lyft uber eats doordash i don't know eat 24 grub i mean all these delivery drivers you know all these people doing this stuff and i think that you know i do think that this is somehow like temporary uh and you know it's gonna go the way of something else but this just shows it's like you know before i don't know what this person would be doing they would probably be fucking assembling some shit on a fucking you know in a factory or something you know sewing pants or whatever i you know i don't know what like what the prior job was um but these you know like now <laughs> they're able to support their family by just going and picking up groceries and driving it to your house and uh i mean you know, I don't even think they're the shopper. I don't know, I'm not even sure, but I don't think it's even the same person that fucking goes and buys it and then that drives it to you, you know? <laughs> I don't know, I could be wrong about that, but it would seem like it makes sense. You just have people that just, like, hang out at the store and then you, you know, send them your order and they go pick it up. They put it in the, in the bags and then they have it set there and the driver just drives in picks it up and leaves you know like a like a little assembly line you know and it's um and it's like it's weird because it's like technology you know particularly with like the mobile stuff and the wireless uh wireless internet gps and everything it's like it's allowed like these really um like ad hoc almost like assembly lines and networks that just just form just out of nowhere where there's no obvious like connection um it's like these invisible you know business networks or something and that companies like uber and and instacart and doordash are able to like create or tap into or whatever and um you know i don't know i mean it's just like so much <coughs> it's like this new technology is allowed like ad hoc infrastructure to get set up just instantaneously set up and torn down i mean who cares if like all of a sudden you know you you know like nothing new needs to really be built they're just using like oh these roads were already built and this grocery store's here and your house is there well i actually have this technology that i can coordinate over all of that like and and i can just do it on the fly and I'm just like i don't really need to know beforehand what you want or whatever just do it all on the fly you know and um but you know basically i think that it's actually a really impressive feat for uh the economy and i you know the previously when i was talking about this i focused a lot on the uh like oh there's all these like designers you know graphic designers right like how many people do you know that are i i have a bunch of friends that do design work and that's what they do and i promise you in like 1850 
not that many people were graphic designers. You know, these are like artists that have found a way to like make money doing art like every day and support families by how, you know, I've, I've uh, real good friends of mine. They're both graphic designers and they have a nice house and they have a kid and they have two cars you know they they're doing fine they're doing great like financially and they're they're designers you know and there's no way man like 100 years ago probably 50 years ago totally impossible like they're not doing that work and the machines did not automate out that life they are those jobs they took the really shitty jobs that people don't want to do that are super repetitious and you know and they've replaced them or they have now those jobs have been replaced by jobs that are like way easier you know and uh you know they yeah like interior designers that was another one i thought of a lot like i'm sure there were interior designers before um but now there's a lot more you know, a lot more people are able to have a professional designer set up their house for them and like design things, decide what they want, you know, and like, and regular people are now, you know, much more able to have these services like deliver, you know, have drivers come and pick them up, have their, you know, food, they can have individual hot meals delivered, or they can have groceries for the week delivered or whatever they want, you know, and like people are so sickened by this. And this is like this weird, like, you know, they just want more regulation because that's the thing. It's like if Uber and Lyft, I mean, I know they've been battling regulation, but eventually they're going to be the incumbents and they're, they're going to want to make it. So the next rideshare company can't fight them and like they may be totally philosophically opposed to it right now but at some point you know the the government always wins like they always find a way to apply this pressure and do it so you know i think that's i i I mean i to me that that's the take on this type of stuff and i um i so now we're right around two hours and you know i actually did hit most of what i wanted to talk about i mean i I didn't go nearly into the blaming the war on climate change thing that I wanted. That was just like a bananas title. And I didn't go into the Shenzhen video as much. And But I I don't know. We're at two hours and I, I've at least gone over a lot of it. And I really wanted to like kind of couch it in this Operation Mockingbird kind of thing. Um, I thought it was very... I don't know. I just thought it was very uh, apropos or whatever. It, You know, when you think about it in that way, it's... To me, it it makes sense if you think about the Operation Mockingbird. It makes the media getting things so wrong all the time make a little bit more sense. Um, so, yeah, I think I will wrap up this episode here and... Please uh, look for me on the internet, on Twitter, at Patrick J. Bradley. And you can search on Facebook or Gab for Whistling in the Dark. And there are uh, there's a page and a profile for the podcast there. Um, so I will uh, talk to you guys soon. And I will certainly try to um, 
not make it as far in between, I would at least like to put out an episode a week. Um, ideally, even more than that, but at least an episode a week. Uh, so until then, stay woke.